Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to Off the Bench. Today is Thursday, March 31st, and today I'm excited to have a new friend on the show. Sherry Few is on the show with me today, and she is running for a state superintendent of education in South Carolina. And today we're going to spend a little bit of time about what got this mama bear off the bench and onto the battlefield in the area of education. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. I'm glad you guys are joining me today. As always, I'm going to spend just a, a, a moment here letting you guys know what's going on with me. As you heard my guest, Leslie Nunnery, say yesterday on the show, I'm going to be in Round Rock, uh, Texas today and tomorrow for the homeschooling conference there. If you guys are anywhere in the area, I just want to encourage you like I always do. These are wonderful opportunities for you to come out, to be encouraged, to get better uh, at homeschooling, to learn a little bit about homeschooling. A lot of you are brand new to uh, home education and homeschool conferences, I think, are one of the most important aspects of just getting yourself plugged in and getting educated and meeting new friends and really uh, learning how to be successful at homeschooling. So I will be there at Teach Them Diligently this weekend. So I'm there tonight and I'll be there tomorrow. Please go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events for more information and you can also registered there. All right. I am very pleased today. A mutual friend of mine recently introduced me to Sherry Few. I looked her up on the internet, was so impressed by her platform and what she's doing that my husband and I donated to her campaign. She's running for state superintendent of education in the state of South Carolina. You guys know how concerned I am with education, uh, particularly as it relates to the public school system here in the United States. And Sherry understands that. 20 years ago, she was a concerned parent of three boys in in the public schools, and she founded South Carolina Parents Involved in Education, which was a grassroots organization committed to education excellence through the meaningful involvement of parents in their children's education. And in 2015, she expanded that organization nationally to become United States Parents Involved in Education which has now 20 state chapters and growing. She currently serves as that organization's president. I'm very pleased to have her here. Sherry Few, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Heidi. I appreciate you having me on today. So I want to just jump right into this because you are doing something uh, that most people won't do right now, and that is run for office. Uh, This is a very contentious time in the United States. A lot of things happening in the public school arena and you have been concerned about the state of education in our country for a long time. So let's, uh, since you're brand new to the show, let's take listeners back to when it for, when when it first dawned on you, hey, we got some trouble on the horizon. So that was 20 years ago when my children were in middle school, and there was some very insidious sex education standards that were being proposed by the state board of education. So myself and other parents, we organized and we had copies of pages from the curriculum and went around and showed to other parents so that we could have a bit of an army to take to the state board. And we were successful in changing those standards and pointing them more toward an abstinence until marriage approach for sex education. So that is how I started the nonprofit organization, South Carolina Parents Involved in Education. It came out of that activist effort. So South Carolina Parents Involved in Education was involved with many things. One of the things that we championed in the legislature is we stopped a vaccine mandate that was being proposed for 11-year-old girls for a sexually transmitted disease. So I don't know if you remember 
those days when the HPV vaccine first came out. And, you know, there's a whole series of shots that students have to have before they can go to a government school. But they were going to add this to that series for 11-year-old girls to mandate they be um, vaccinated against a sexually transmitted disease, which is was just over-the-top ridiculous. So we were successful in defeating that legislation. And what year was that? Oh, boy. You had to ask me that. I'm not sure to be exact. Probably, I'd say, 15 years ago. Um, and it was being pushed all over the country. And, and, you know, it's still, you see commercials and things for it, trying to persuade parents to vaccinate their children against this STD. Um, so we were involved with other things. We promoted uh, release time education where children could leave the campus to go to a church and, and learn some Bible classes and get elective credit for it. And, and then our biggest effort is our fight against the Common Core Standards. And that was back in 2011, 12, 13, those three years. And so we were very well organized in that effort as well, probably as well organized as we had ever been. And we were very influential in convincing the legislature that we needed to repeal Common Core. So unfortunately, what happened, though, is our repeal bill was amended down to a simple rewrite of the standards. And the person in charge of rewriting the standards would be the next superintendent of education. So that is when I decided to run the first time. I ran in 2014 and it was an open seat and there were nine candidates in the race, you know, which is not uncommon for an open seat. And I narrowly missed the runoff just by a couple of percentage points. But what happened was the person who was elected rewrote the standards and they were just Common Core rebranded. So our state, the students in our state and parents and teachers have been subjected to these faulty standards for more than 10 years now. So following that, I um, was talking with colleagues around the country who I had developed relationships with and they had had the same experience, you know, led the fight against Common Core in their state only to have them rebranded after, you know, a two or three year battle. So that is when we decided to expand South Carolina Parents Involved in Education into United States Parents Involved in Education. And our mission became closing the Federal Department of Education and ending all federal education mandates. And the reason we chose that as our mission is we understood that that's where all the nefarious pedagogies were coming from. It, they were being incentivized by the federal government. With Common Core, it was raced to the top. And now with critical race theory, it's the ESSER COVID relief funds that are incentivizing teaching equity and inclusion and, and uh, social emotional learning. So that's why our focus has been on the federal government. But then after the presidential election was stolen and we lost control of Congress, we kind of reshifted our energy back to the local level to empower and equip parents to take back their schools and to run for local school board. And so we've been building off the momentum behind parents that are upset about the mask mandates and, and now critical race theory. And uh, as you mentioned, we have 20 state chapters. So our chapters have been very active in these local level battles and lots of um, parents are running for school board all around the country. So that's how my journey began and has led up to now what I'm doing, which is running for state superintendent again. So I, I'm always amazed when I hear how deep-seated 
the fight for local control for parents to actually have a voice in their child's education goes back in the school district. So you were saying you guys were concerned about the sex education 20 years ago. Now they're going to teach your kids that there's 400 genders and they're going to call them by whatever pronoun they want to be called by. They're going to put your kids on uh, puberty blocking hormone drugs so that your child doesn't experience puberty. Many of these schools can do it without parental knowledge or consent. And we've got huge problems in the schools. And there, and that's not to say that there aren't good teachers. And I think this is, I always have to say that this caveat at the very beginning, there are wonderful teachers that are doing the very best they can. But the fact of the matter is we are seeing these teachers hogtied and forced into teaching these things. And you're right. It's absolutely coming down from the federal government. And we're seeing it at the state level as well. What do you say to the parent who says, well, that's not in my child's school? Well, we hear that all the time in South Carolina. You know, our state's our current state superintendent of education denies that it's in the schools. And, you know, every school district says it's not in the schools. And so my daughter-in-law and I have been doing presentations. We've been traveling the state and doing a presentation on what critical race theory is and how to find it in your schools. And and of the 10 school districts that we've researched, for these presentations, every single one of them have the tenets of critical race theory in their school. So critical race theory is not a curriculum. It's not a standard. It's not a textbook. It is a pedagogy. It is a form of teaching. And most of the teachers from the research I've done in our colleges and universities are fully indoctrinated before they enter the classroom. So they're taught these theories. And critical race theory, to understand it more clearly, it's, it's Marxist in its roots. So it started in the Frankfurt School, which was a group of Marxists in Germany. And when they got pushed out by the Nazis during World War II, they came to the United States and they infiltrated Columbia University in New York City. So that is where they developed critical theory. So under critical theory, there are several theories. There's critical race theory, critical queer theory, critical feminist theory. So these theories are all wrapped up in something called culturally relevant pedagogy, which is, uh, was formed by Gloria Ladson Billings in the 90s. And I like to think of it as sort of a, a palatable version of CRT that is she intended for K through 12 schools. So it's actually worse than critical race theory because it encompasses all those theories. So for the oppressors, the people... Um, who are pressing, uh, it includes uh, different categories. It's white, male, heterosexual, um, high socioeconomic status, and even Christian is labeled. Um, if you are Christian, then you are in the oppressor category. And then on the flip side, on the oppressed category, of course, you have every other race and ethnicity. You have uh, females because they're considered oppressed. That's where the critical uh, feminist theory comes in, and then, of course, LBGTQ+, plus whatever, whatever other alphabet they want to add to that, and, and then what they call minority religions. So that is what 
uh, culturally relevant pedagogy encompasses. So that is what's being taught in K-12 schools. I've found evidence of it, like I said, in nearly every school district that I've researched in South Carolina. And you know, South Carolina is very different than the state you live in. We're supposed to be a red state, uh, very conservative. We have a super majority in our legislature and we own every constitutional office. And yet we have this Marxist infiltration into our schools. And so what I've been telling parents and voters and, and even people that don't have kids in school, this is a critical issue and people need to be paying attention because the government schools are educating the masses and they're churning out Marxist liberals every day. And, and the goal with critical theory is to pit groups of people against one another, which they're obviously doing, and using that to divide our country so they can collapse our constitutional republic and turn it into a communist nation. And, and, and I'm very serious about this. You know, when I used to talk about these things 10 or 12 years ago, I was the tinfoil hat lady. But everything that I've talked about has come to fruition and we're seeing it in our classrooms. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so uh, we're going to take a quick ad break. And when we come back, I'm going to take up the conversation from a little bit different angle and ask you if the schools can be salvaged. So what parents can do to get involved and start to turn back the tide of this indoctrination that's happening in our government school system. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Do you know 37% of Americans cannot name a single freedom out of the First Amendment and 74% cannot name the three branches of government? No wonder we are experiencing tyranny in America at levels many of us never thought we would see in our lifetime. Well, my friends at Patriot Academy recognize that an educated citizenry is absolutely essential for our survival as a free people. This is why their mission is to inspire patriotism, equip citizens, and educate a nation to live out their freedoms. They also know that freedom is not a boring subject, especially when comedian Brad Stein, God's comic, is in the mix. Well, starting April 11th, Brad Stein, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, and America's Constitution coach Rick Green will be bringing the Comedy and Constitution Tour to cities across Texas. Join them for one-of-a-kind edutainment that's going to educate, entertain, equip, and inspire your family to accept, protect, and purposefully pass on the torch of freedom. Learn more at patriotacademy.com forward slash Texas tour. All right, I'm back with Sherry Few. She is running uh, to be the superintendent of public schools in the state of South Carolina. You have just done a phenomenal job, Sherry, of unpacking something that I've been talking about here at the show for several years, and that is this this, uh, indoctrination that is happening in our schools. And you're absolutely right when you say that the schools are churning out students by the hundreds of thousands every single year. This is happening in every state across our great nation. Students who hate the country, they hate each other. They do not believe that America is the greatest nation on the face of the earth. They want to see this uh, made in the image of Karl Marx. We're watching socialism now uh, absolutely take front and center. This is one of the reasons why I'm running for Congress. Someone asked me the other day in a town hall if I felt that the schools were salvageable. 
did we know what are we going to do? How do we take back the schools? And I actually brought up your name because I looked at your website and I said, we have a crisis of leadership in this country. We have a crisis of leadership from the school boards to the White House. And I mm-hmm. do think we can turn it around, but we're going to have to get mm-hmm. uh, people who are very, very uh, aware and astute and, and uh, educated as to what's happening in our schools and start putting people in positions of authority. This is why your race is so important. So how do you answer that question? Well, I agree with you. I think it is, they are salvageable, but it's going to take a lot of work and it's going to take a bull in a china shop. And that's exactly what my reputation is because we have to deconstruct the current system. It's totally flawed. And, and you know, there are, there are a lot of laws that were passed on the federal level and on the state level that will impede some of the things that I want to do, but I'm going to challenge it at every turn. And, and of course, the emphasis I, I made earlier on parents taking back control of their schools through local school boards, that's very important, too, because um, school board members don't really understand the power and authority that they have. And not only do they need to run and become elected, but then they need to have a very good training so they understand the power that they have, because I fully support local control. You know, I want to get rid of the federal government's involvement. And, and even on the state level, I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful if schools could just operate in autonomy and, and have their own local board um, elected by this, the parents and the citizens of that community without all the government influences? But, but it has to start with uh, weaning the state off the federal dole. And so I have a plan for that. And, and by the way, I, I do think my race is important to uh, the entire country because the things that I plan to do will set a precedent for the rest of the country. So it has to happen in one state first, we can set an example. So what I plan to do is to do a cost of compliance study to see how much it costs our state and our school districts to comply with federal mandates. On average, each state only receives about 10% of their education budget from the federal government, and yet they control 100% of the classroom. So if I can, through this study, prove that of the 10% that we receive, let's say five or six, even 7% is spent on complying with regulations to receive the funding, then I can take that study to the legislature and I could say, you know, for this very minimal amount of money, you know, we have ceded uh, control over our classrooms to the federal government. Parents are frustrated, they're tired of this, and we can begin to wean ourselves off the federal dole. We can do a better job with the programs that are federal. Some of the programs, um, like the free and reduced lunch program, you know, if the state takes on that responsibility, just think how, how much more efficient it can be and how we can even save tax dollars because we're sending our, our money to the federal government. They siphon it off for the $7 billion federal Department of Education budget and then send it back to us with strings attached. So this is a plan that I have that will help to begin to uh, regain control of schools for states and for local communities. It's kind of exciting for me to listen to what you're saying, because first of all, we know that you're going to be up against quite a bit because the leftists in this country have absolute control over our school system right now. The National Educators Association, one of the most corrupt unions in the entire country, uh, who have been at the forefront of pushing critical race theory and comprehensive sex education on our kids. But you have taken a very strong stance to say, hey, we could actually eliminate critical race theory. We can end these mask and vaccine mandates. And that comes really 
through local control by parents getting back in the driver's seat of their kids' education, by parents showing up to the school boards. And listen, I mean, you and I have been in this fight, I think, for a long time. You know, my oldest daughter is in her 30s now, and I watched what was happening years ago in the public school, which is why we took her out and decided to homeschool her, one of the very best decisions that we ever made. But I was going to school board meetings before it was a photo op. Now it's kind of a photo op, right? Yeah. People people want to be seen right. as uh, as going to the school board meetings. But the fact is, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, uh, I have noticed here in Washington State that the school boards are not listening to parents anymore. We certainly saw that happening in uh, Virginia. We've seen it happen in Michigan. We're watching it happen all over the country. So what do you tell parents when they say, listen, I'm doing everything I know how to do. I went to the school board. I read. This is what I did. I mean, when I went, I read to them out of the uh, sex education curriculum that they were proposing, and there was an audible gasp in the room from the people who were listening that had no idea the kind of garbage that their kids were about to be subjected to. At this point, there are a lot of uh, school boards that won't even function in the way that they're supposed to be functioning because they're worried that the governor is going to pull funding from them. And so what do you say to the parents who are like, it's not working. I'm going to my school board. I don't know what to do now. Well, first of all, let me say there's no way you have a 30-year-old child. <laughs> you look amazing. Uh, my kids are also in their 30s. <laughs> <but> <laughs> Thank you. I'll pay you later. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, um, what I tell them is run for school board. And so, you know, they need to rechannel their energy into um, launching a campaign for school board. And we're encouraging parents to do it in a slate. You know, if you've got four seats up, five seats up for reelection, whatever it is, find a like-minded, strong candidate to run with you, run together on, on the very same platform that I'm using, um, which is to end critical race theory, uh, mask and vaccine mandates in the sexualization of children and um, boys competing in girls sports. These are the issues that people that have gotten people's attention that has woken up our country to, to recognize the indoctrination that is so boldly happening, happening in our schools. And it's what parents are upset about. And it's what's going to drive this, the election in the coming, you know, in the coming 12 months, the primaries and the general election. So I'm encouraging them to run for school board and take their schools back. Absolutely right. It's absolutely right. And it's time. You know, when I announced my run for Congress, uh, I was interviewed on the radio by a local radio host here. And he said, Heidi, why in the world would you include education as part of your run for Congress? The federal government has nothing to do with education. And I was like, well, have you been <laughs> sleeping for the last 40 years? Because the federal government is all over education. Mm -hmm. uh, Sherry, what are some ways that the federal government is impacting public education right now? Well, you know, they've been at it for a while, but the Department of Education isn't that old. You know, it was under um, Jimmy Carter that it was instituted. Um, but since that time, there have been several federal laws that are put into place, particularly in the 90s. Um, there was the workforce development law, schools to work, and another. There's three of the laws that we talk about in our presentation. But those laws locked in what I call the workforce development model of education. And so the federal government has regional workforce development boards set up all over the country. And those boards are made up of the region's business uh, chamber of commerce types. 
and educators. And then these boards plan out what the jobs are going to be in that region for the next 15 years. And then those jobs are the ones that are placed in, in that region in school districts. So it, this is such a crazy system, and people are finally waking up to this because this has been going on since my kids were in high school, middle and high school. So when they're in sixth grade, yep. they yeah. survey children to find out, you know, what career path will be good for them. But the only career paths that are um, available are the ones, again, decided by these federal government workforce boards. And then so they start pigeonholing children at grade six into these career fields. And by high school, they have to declare a major. Their major is their career field. And so how many teenagers do you know that know what they want to do with the rest of their life? I've had, you know, college age kids not know what they want to do and totally change their career field after graduating college. So this system is an attempt by the federal government to control the economy. And we know that it's been tried in other countries and failed, and it will fail here as well. So that's the, the workforce development model of education, uh, totally forced on local schools by the federal government. And there's actually other agencies on the federal level outside of this, the federal department of education um, that are also involved with this scheme. So that's why our mission with United States Parents Involved in Education is not only to close the federal department of ed, but to also end all federal education mandates because they're coming from several different federal agencies. So it's, it's a challenging feat, but it is one that we must begin and we must take on. Uh, this is how we're gonna salvage the, the schools, the government schools in our country. And to your point about children being taught um, to hate their country, you know that's why I wear a flag every time I'm uh, appearing in my campaign because it's a reminder of my commitment to restore patriotism in our schools because children are being taught to hate their own country. And so that, again, is why this is so important. What you are doing, what we are doing, and, and those of us that are running for elected office, people need to get behind us and support us financially because we are fighting for the very freedom of this country. If we don't stop what's happening, we are going to lose our constitutional republic. Boy, you are absolutely right about that. There was a young man on my congressional uh, Facebook page just a couple of days ago, and I said that the United States is not a democracy. It's not a pure democracy. We are a constitutional republic. And he put the definition of democracy underneath what I said and said, wow, just so ridiculous and how short-sighted you are. And I looked at my husband. I said, $100,000. This kid went to a public, private, or public university. $100,000. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even know the difference between a constitutional republic and a democracy. And he was mocking me for it. And I thought, boy, you know, we've, we've got huge issues. You're absolutely right. Uh, you know, we don't have time to, to get into this right now because we're out of time. But I was thinking as you were talking about this, uh, this federal government workforce, these boards that have been uh, instituted across the country, this is why social emotional learning is making is now at the front of what we've been talking about in our public schools because they're using social emotional learning to put these children into groups. So they categorize them. It's like a, it's, you know, it's like a farm for kids. You know, we're going to put you into a particular path and this is the path that we want you to take. And you're absolutely 
absolutely right. You know, I have raised you know, five of our seven children, and for the most part, they don't know what they want to do when they're in high school, and oftentimes they'll change what they want to do, you know, uh, in their 20s or even in their 30s and say, hey, I'm going to try something different. And uh, that's part of the beauty about coming into your own and realizing what your own gifts and abilities are, and the public school is damaging that every chance they get. I want people to find out where you are, uh, Sherry, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to link to your uh, website in the show notes today, but I want people to do what I did, and that is to go to your website and donate to your run for this important office. And I do think you're right. I think the eyes of the nation are going to be on races like yours and races like mine, where you see true constitutional conservatives saying, nope, we're done. Uh, game over. We've, we've waited. Actually, we waited too long in a, lot of, in a lot of respects. And so it's very important. Where can people find you online so they can help you with your race? Okay, my website is very easy. It's my name spelled S-H-E-R-I, Sherry22.com. So they will they can go there and sign up for updates uh, about the campaign and make a donation. I appreciate anything anybody can do to help. Also, you've got some really great YouTube videos of you up there uh, fighting the good fight and telling the truth. And uh, it's it's an education. I watched a little bit before you came on the show today. Sherry, you are a true patriot, and I love what you're doing on behalf of our nation's children, and I wish you the very best. Keep me posted, and I'll have you back on the show, and we can talk about it some more as the race progresses. When is the uh, – do you guys have a primary there? We do. The primary is June 14th. Coming right up. All right, June 14th. So everybody, she's got a primary June 14th. Now is the time to get in and support her. These primary candidates are really in the fight of their lives right now. We've got people running as conservatives that are not conservatives. You've got to start looking to what people are saying. Go beyond the R or the D and listen to the the ideological battle that is happening on the forefront for education right now. Sherry Few, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Heidi. I appreciate you having me on. For more information about Sherry Few and her run for office, you can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast, scroll down to the show notes, and I will link back to how you can contribute to help Sherry win that seat in South Carolina. Thanks for listening today, everybody. I appreciate your time. As always, I hope you'll check out the brand new Bible study at Mom Strong International. We are currently working our way through the book of Acts. We're in the second part of it. We'll be doing that for the month of April. My son-in-law, Ryan Bates, is leading that study, and he is a hoot and holler in a good time. So check that out. You guys are going to be blessed and encouraged. MomStrongInternational.com. Have a great day, everybody, and I will see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture.